Welcome everyone to 20 and 20. This is the co-working edition where we ask 20 questions in 20-ish minutes. Crystal will probably go 25, 30 minutes here and because I know you are a fountain of information and we could probably, <laughs> and a, a fountain of passion and a, and a voice, you know, uh, of, of, for advocacy on many levels and fronts. And so uh, I've always known that to be true about you from the moment you opened your mouth the first time I think I ever had you on one of our networking luncheons at primary. <laughs> and so the intention of these interviews is to leave people feeling uplifted and inspired and certainly informed in this time. I'm your host, Lisa Skyhane. Um, in this edition of 20 and 20, and during the month of June, I'm connecting with industry experts, operators, vendors, most importantly, of course, co-working members who have uh, graciously chosen primary as their work home. Um, we're going to learn how together we can weather this storm called you know, COVID-19 and, mm -hmm. and a lot more that is now upon us. So um, today's guest is Crystal Arnett. You're the founder and CEO of Adventure We Can. You're a storyteller, an actor, director, producer, cinematographer, editor, musician, nonprofit co-founder. You said all the hyphens. What does mm -hmm. that mean, all the hyphens? Um, so I think this first, the first thing you mentioned is kind of what I group everything under. So mm -hmm. like if people ask me what I do, I just leave it easy. I say, I'm a storyteller. And if they were like, well, okay. And that seems pretty maybe, uh, old, like an old statement, like, Oh, I'm an old story. But I really believe that that is my job. It's one of the oldest human jobs, you know, it dates back to the beginning of man. And when I say that it encompasses all the things I do. So when I say hashtag all the hyphens, I have about 17 hyphens. I'm a, one of those people who just like collect skills. Um, but those things all serve one job. They all serve the job of storytelling. So to me, I only have one thing I do. Love it. And I love so, it. despite all the different ways that I can tell stories, what I do is tell stories or help people tell stories or elevate stories. So in any day, as long as what I'm doing is working on storytelling, then I'm doing my job. I'm doing what humanity's asked of me and I feel pretty you know, satisfied in my, Love in my work. Love it, which is an important thing to be able to come back to uh, in our center in a time like this when so much has been altered uh, around us. So um, a couple of quick things about you. You're originally from West Palm Beach, Florida, woo -woo, which I am born and raised in West Palm Beach. I was born at Good Samaritan Hospital. Me too. <laughs> woo -woo, more connections. So South, so flaw, South Florida in the house. Um, you went to the University of North Carolina, uh, the School of the Arts there. That's where you have a BFA from there. Um, you're the co-founder of Sequin, which is a nonprofit arts initiative. Um, and, and again, you're the founder and CEO of Adventure We Can, which is a production collective. Uh, fun fact, you've been a vegan since 1999. And you also have been cycling, you said, basically riding bicycles since you were born. You yeah. said you rode a tall bike in a circus with your father. Is that true? No, you know how in Delray they would do like St. Patrick's Day Parade or like Christmas Parade down Atlantic Avenue? And yes. So my dad used to work at the bikes shop there and he would build these, um, there are people in New York have like tall bike, like he would build it to the seats like really high off the ground. So he yeah. had one that sat at 13 feet. And then when I was about nine, I had one that sat at uh, nine feet and oh I would gosh. ride it with my dad. Wow. Unbelievable. It's just yeah. very, very Florida of us, I think I'd like to say. Hidden skills and talents. Who knew, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so let's jump right into something that I know you're going to have a strong voice about, of course, and even just our pre-chat. You obviously already had a lot of strong thoughts. You've always been an advocate for amplifying minority voices. So on top of a global pandemic, 
there's a revolution, you know, that's happening and louder than it's ever been, of course, because of the access, because of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on the Black Lives Matter movement? And how do you think that business owners can really be of support in this time? So I was thinking about this earlier. I mean, I moved to New York in 2009. And we were, you know, while Occupy Wall Street wasn't specifically focused on Black Lives Matter. Um, they're part of the equity, right? Like capital equity working on it. So we've been protesting in this city every single year since then. And the protests that happened during Occupy Wall Street were incredibly violent as well. And there was lots of instances of police brutality. So part of me looks at the situation now and I, and I see a lot of people kind of waking up in ways to what's happening. And I, I wanna say like, welcome. You know, we've, we've been here, we've been here since the 60s. We've been here since the Rodney King riots in 92. We've been here this whole time. I mean, I was five in 92, but I do remember that news coverage. And so my feeling is like, I'm not unexpected. Like people are like, wow, look at all that's happening. I wanna say this isn't unexpected, but we are in a pandemic which has placed us, uh, forced us to take time in a way we never do in this city, forced us to stop, pay attention to things. So perhaps that is the, the real silver lining of, of COVID-19 is there is like a forcible space around these issues where many people who look like you and me can spend time reading and being educated. And hopefully that will lead to actual change. Because, you know, I, I was on, we're, insist- we're on Instagram and a bunch of people were liking a post of mine out of the blue from two years ago, which was a guidebook for how not to call the police, how to de-escalate a situation so you don't call a police. And it was tagged with police brutality and Black Lives Matter. And I had to think, well, what were we protesting? I mean, it was Stephen Clark's murder. And, you know, you go, okay, well, that was two years ago almost to the day. Here we are again. So it's, uh, I you know, the, the cries have been mounting every, you know, for, for, for so long, for hundreds of years. So let's actually take the time we can to make an actual difference, actually change, actually start divorcing ourselves from white supremacy, look towards a better future. 100%. And so how do you think we as business owners can do that? So a lot of what I think about specifically in my work is I think as a media, like I'm a content maker, I work on every kind of thing. And when it's left up to me, and then I think very clearly about who we see and when we see them. I think about the faces on screen. I think about the voices we hear. I think about who's on my crew. I um, will not staff a, a, first of all, I won't staff a project that's not meeting gender parity. And I won't staff a project that's not meeting um, racial parity if I, if I can't, you know, if I can, as long as I can. That's always the goal. Uh, mentorship matters and really taking a look at where the barriers to access are in your own business. Within the film industry and within the theater industry, there are so many barriers of access that you may just be overlooking. And you're like, oh, but these people aren't qualified or something. However, if you're actually looking at the bigger picture, what were their barriers of access? What was the systemic reasons that might, if you, uh, one thing I would say is that if you're like, accepting applications for something and you're not, you don't have a a representative applicants that look like New York city, right? We live in New York city. New York city looks like the world. You need to ask why that is. Mm -hmm. It's not that they aren't there. You either need to be more direct in your asks. You need to ask for exactly what you want. You need to make sure people know that they're wanted, or you need to do the work to expand your own industry 
so that there is access to these places sooner. Because if all you're getting is everyone looking the, who looks the same, that's a problem for you, <laughs> not a problem for them. Because yeah. the more voices in the room, the better your work is. Always. Yeah. yeah. Always. I think that right now as, as a business owner, I just am I'm literally coming to you right now off of a, a call uh, that had about 50 different operators, co-working operators around the country on it um, about racism and how we can be in action as operators. And, and one of the things that I didn't have a chance to, to offer ways that I'm being in action is number one, and we're hearing a lot about this, of course, in the media, so not to be too redundant and to summarize, but the first step, acknowledging white privilege, of course, and, and really acknowledging it in a big way in, in where I'm taking responsibility for where I've had blinders on and not noticed um, my, my, any racial bias or, or lack of, of being in action you know, to, to be inclusive, to, to have diversity in my business. And so some very basic things, you know, looking at, we just have new signage, of course, about hand sanitization, washing, face masks, things like that. And so some of the graphics that were being created, the first round of graphics that were sent to me had white hands in the photo. And I said, and my, my general manager downtown at our Friday location is black. And I, I said on a three-way call, I said, well, wait, why are those hands black in that photo? And not black. Or why, why are those, uh, yeah, thank you, hands not black. And I said, we need to have multiple skin tones here. We need to, you know, and I said, really? And I said, actually, if we wanted to amplify black voices, really be advocates for the Black Lives Do Matter movement, then we would make all of the graphics black hands because that's what would cause people who have been immune or um numb to and un, uh, unaware of their white privilege would suddenly say to themselves, wait, why are all those hands black? Oh, inclusivity. Oh, Black Lives Matter. You know, let me wake up to, I mean, I get goosebumps, you know, let me wake up to the movement that is that is happening in, in the country right now. Or, or we, you know, we're so used to storytelling that we don't really, you know, it's not a huge, huge thing to us. I mean, listen, there's a reason Black Panther is this, was as popular it was. It doesn't you know, oftentimes for people who who share our, our background, you know, I'm just, we're just excited for stories. We're just excited for things. We're just kind of used to everything, but it really matters for people who don't have that representation. And also, you know, yeah, exactly right. Like decentering whiteness, decentering your whiteness, decentering your whiteness um, in all the spaces that you can as a business owner. Uh, I think that we talked about this recently with my friends. Um, that the really big burden, this was actually when the Amy Cooper story was happening. Mm -hmm. Our biggest burden as white women is to be overwhelmingly thoughtful. And mm -hmm. what an easy burden, just mm -hmm. the easiest of burdens. Yeah, it means second guess everything you say. It means second guess every move you make. Sure, but what an easy burden to just mm -hmm. be completely thoughtful in everything you do and really think think, think before you, you do, before you act, before you speak, just think about it. Mm -hmm. um, because that's all anyone's asking of us. I mean, not all, but one of the things they're asking for us to do is just to be incredibly thoughtful and yeah. intentional in our work. Conscious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit to you and some okay. of your background here. So let's go way back. Why did you become an actress? 
Um, you know, we're both from West Palm Beach. And so, and if I'm not mistaken, you also went to the Palm Beach School of the Arts? I was in the, in the founding class, eighth and ninth grade, when it was called Palm Beach County School of the Arts. Yeah. All right. So we also went to the same high school. Yes, <laughs> I, was a I was a little bit before you, not too many years before you. No, no. <laughs> um, so honestly, you know, I didn't grow up leaving like I didn't, I don't remember thinking like, I want to be an actress. Um, I think I thought I wanted to be Celine Dion, but maybe because I'm French Canadian, but like I, the middle school for the arts opened when they moved Palm Beach School of the Arts to Dreyfus. So I actually yep. went to the same campus that you would have been at for mm. middle school. And so when that opened, I was like encouraged by my teachers to, uh, to go there. And then yeah. I was, um, it really was always other people looking at me and saying like, hey, you should do this. And then when I was, I always went back and forth between technical and performance. But as a junior in high school, I performed a play that was about um, the Armenian genocide. And that show for me really opened the fact that you could educate a subject that was like written out of our textbooks because of politics. Yeah. And that you could actually um, bring voice to things. And that if you, I felt that if you were able to, uh, be a vessel for stories in that way, then I had to, that was my kind of feeling. So I decided to mm -hmm. pursue acting um, and I got my uh, BFA from the conservatory at University of North Carolina School of the Arts. But I was always a director. I was always a musician. All the hyphens I have now, I was, I was making, I was literally making ads for video ads for theater when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say I've changed all that much. <laughs> I, I didn't have cool hair when I was in high school. Now I do. I'm like, you know, the opposite. I was very, very professional in high school. And now I'm like, uh. <laughs> well, now you're honoring it sound, it's, you know, yourself, right? I mean, your yeah. full self-expression, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, as we get older, that's what happens generally, which is wonderful. I mean, I've had two children and I feel more confident and sexy and beautiful in my skin than, you know, than I, and I'm not, and I'm not at my thinnest per se, by the way. Um, so what do you love about acting? And next question is really, what has been your biggest lesson learned over the past two decades as an actress? Because certainly we hear about how difficult it can be and the negative yeah. mental health impacts, I think, probably that happened to a number of actors, actresses, uh, you know, in the world. You know what? I would say that there's interesting. I think it's both the opposite. So I am, I have a history of trauma as a, as a young person before the age of like 12, and unfortunately some pretty heavy trauma stuff. Mm -hmm. However, actually being an actor was my, one of my greatest paths forward because from a very young age, I learned about the whys and hows of the human condition. It allowed me to gain perspective and understanding of how humans behave and why they behave the way they do and mm -hmm. to to really be as empathetic as possible. I mean, it's the lesson and the, the learning of, of empathy. It's the study of empathy. And um, the more you understand how humans work, the more and how closely they relate to you, how you bring it back to yourself. I mean, being an actor is the work of the self. You work on yourself to the deepest core because yeah. a character never, you don't put a character on like a sweater. It comes out of you like it's bubbling up from from a deep well under your feet and it pours out of you. So whoever mm -hmm. I am is always present in a role I play. So that's why the work is on the self. So that was actually very helpful to me from a mental health stage. I will say that, yes, I did struggle with mental health issues, whether they were directly tied to my acting or just residual, you know, um, holdovers from early childhood trauma. That's that's a different question. But mm -hmm. um my favorite thing about acting, though, is collaborating. It is the knowledge that 
the, the writer must exist for you to say the words. Um, I loved, when I moved to New York, I learned how to make new plays. And I learned how much impact a, an actor can have on a story. That if you're the first person to say those words, you can actually change the, the, the meaning of them and, you know, end up written. You know, that's why you see the actors' names in the, the printed editions, because they were such a big part of it. Oh, huge. Yeah, they bring so much to, to everything. Um, uh, the indie theater industry obviously has been devastated, <laughs> I mean, by this pandemic, but it's really been being devastated over the last decade. And our mutual friend, Randy Berry, you know, established the Lit Fund, which is now the Indie Theater Fund, um, to support artists, producers, directors, the performance, the arts, and and you know, what do you see yourself as the future of indie theater and, and how can people support independent theater now? Well, I think we're going to have a real issue of space. Um, space is always a problem. Rent is always a problem. Like having a place to put on shows, it's going to extend beyond just indie theater. We're, I'm really concerned about the music industry uh, in New York, or maybe it will go back to what it was like in 2009 when we were just making like shows in storefronts and basements and, you know, DIY um, but the future of any theater, I mean, how do we support you? Uh, there's really great resources out there for getting to know who the indie theaters are in New York, mm -hmm. become a subscriber. Um, at this time, the theater community is having a very serious conversation with itself regarding Black Lives Matter, regarding white supremacy. So we're going to be seeing some big changes in the industry. I know that we will. And so like going forward, I do think we're going to get more creative. I'm really excited by the fact that we have technology now that changes our work. I'm looking forward to AR and VR. I mean, virtual reality should be a theater space. Yeah. It is a theater space. It just hasn't. Theater people are so poor and so tired that we don't, we don't, we just spend all our time making theater and are not always in other spaces. My big thing is that no matter what industry you're in, if a theater person is in your space, they make it better. Yeah. So 100%. definitely in virtual reality is my big push. I want theater artists to be the ones in the front of virtual reality because it is a theater space. <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, Sequin is a nonprofit initiative created to nurture, promote, and connect underrepresented makers. This is one of your initiatives of the last, I think, three, four, five years, correct? And so tell us a little bit more about Sequin, why it's so important to you, and how are you exactly nurturing underrepresented makers? So Sequin is the really the brainchild of my best friend and uh, co-founder, Cleo Gray. Um, she saw that we used to produce a show uh, downtown called Serials at the Fleet, and we ran into, again, we're talking about barriers of access. We, mm -hmm. um, we noticed some barriers of access that were really making it hard for us to create a show that represented all of New York. We were, we were basically running out of names when it came to demographics or certain things. We're saying, where, where is everyone? How do we bring them together? And so it was her idea to take the skills that we already had. This was in 2017, following like the Women's March and saying, okay, what can we do? Uh, and so one of our, our platform is multi-leveled. Uh, multi We've been a bit quiet on the public front while, because it is an outreach of my production company. So mm -hmm. while we, some of the resources, uh, we could use some, you know, support is always helpful. Always. I saw her demo um, handle, I think, uh -huh. in, her, uh, in her profile. Yes, yes. Support <laughs> is always helpful. And yep. so, um, but what we do is we'll provide, say, like, headshots 
uh, video content. Um, we will hold space on our website for you. We hosted week-long retreats out in the country in the Poconos because investment, we, we want to think about tangible yeses for underrepresented artists who, like I have so many yeses as a white female artist. I get to see myself on screen all the time. I get to know people who do what I do. I got to go to cool schools that were public schools. So when you're a poor kid like me, you had a place to go. Like mm -hmm. so many yeses. So how do we create yeses? Well, here's investment in you. Here's a retreat, that's a yes. Here's a, a photo that you can use because say you're up for a grant and you know, there's two people, but like if someone has like a fancier looking photo, that's going to yeah. perhaps drive the bias of that grant reviewer. So how can we offer tangible things? So that's what Sequin does. And we hope to be doing a lot more um, visibly with Sequin. We've been working behind the scenes, but we will be coming back with more soon. I love it. Let level the playing field and, and equal opportunity. Yes, love that. Um, your latest big focus has been the Korea project. You are you know fluent as you said in English and French, but you've also in the last year learned Korean and even gone as far as to alter some of your devices and your phone so that everything is in Korean so that you accelerated your learning there. Tell us more about this project and when when and where are we going to be able to see it? Well, it, it piggybacks this project. The Korea project is centered around the idea of what does it mean to be Korean, and a lot of people ask, like, so why are you making this project? What mm -hmm. what is this person doing with that?" Um, and it actually ties back to Cleo again. So Cleo is an adoptee from South Korea. She was mm -hmm. um, adopted in 1985, and the Korea of 1985 was in very, very different from the Korea of today. Uh, today actually is the 33rd anniversary of the June uprising, uh, democratic uprising in 1987, uh, mm -hmm. when Koreans took to the streets and continued to demand for a true democracy, um, which is the foundation of their current, uh, their current democracy. But that mm -hmm. was not the situation in the mid 80s. So we're really mm -hmm. looking at the past, um, how Korea has changed in the span of her lifetime and how reconnecting with her um, past. So it's more like she's the host. Think of it a bit like uh, David Chang's show or something, whereas Cleo is returning to South Korea for the first time since she was born. Um, and it is, she will be uh, reaching out and we'll be meeting people there to help us understand Korean identity and where South Korea has been and where, we, where they hope and you know, it will go. So. Is there something specific about Korean culture or identity that's been a, the sort of biggest aha for you or learning? The biggest aha, I think really that speaks, yeah. So it's a language thing too. It really speaks to what's happened this year. I know everyone was looking at South Korea during the beginning of COVID and saying, wow, how are they doing this? And um, I think that in the Korean language, there are certain phrases that instead of saying my, you say our and that really struck me. So you don't say my country, you say urinara. So it's like, you don't say my uh, family, you say our family. So even though you're talking about your own family, the word you use is uri, which is our. Mm. So there are many phrases in the, in the language that is, you don't say che, you don't say my, you say our. And I think that concept of it being ours um, is really part of that reason that when something happens there, there is a, a collective um, action towards it. And that is something I think we, we can use some of in the US. We're thinking about we it use ours. Some collective partnership, yes, and familial yeah. coming together as it were, amen. Um, what has been your greatest achievement in business over the last, you know, I, I think how Adventure We Can has been around for 10 years now. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I've been like proper business person. You know, I've been making content as a venture we can for about 10 years. And I was thinking about this today. I think my greatest achievement is being able to pay other people to create opportunities to mentor to say yes to others i think is my greatest achievement yes i love it um what are your thoughts so let's talk a little bit quickly about here uh, co-working which is mm -hmm. the co-working edition you you worked from home and in, in your home studio there where you are now i yes. think for a long time um yes. i felt i felt incredibly happy that you and also it's a testament to you and the business that you built that you were able to venture out take an office space for yourself and your team there is now obviously a huge um, declared uh, vision for by a lot of large corporations for their employees and staff to be working from home for the rest of the year. Um, do you have some of your own thoughts on work from home culture and the impact that it may have on employees or teams? Well, I know that for me and uh, my, uh, you know, lingering ADHD, that it's not my best space. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> me neither. I agree. <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, you know, as much as that, that is my extra battery pack, it's also, you know, it really doesn't work so well for me to be in the same space all the time. So I'm personally trying to find the ways that I can split my weeks in the office and out of the office. Um, I think for me, because my space is so small, generally speaking, it's just me and another person. Um, mm -hmm. I think we'll find ways to, to co-work, but like of my my contractors, you know, it's really project based. So I hope we are out filming soon. Um, the good news for us is often we can be on set, you know, and then we can we can leave and go. But I, I think we'll be working on like rotation. You know, do I bring both desks back? Do I not? Um, but I think that um, my situation is a little different because I'm a smaller office. Mm -hmm. So I only need to really be paying attention to what one, one other person at a time. Yeah. Um, but for me, I I'm currently my current plan is like four days in the office, three days at home. Yeah, makes sense. Um, what have you been doing every day to stay sane and inspired during this last uh, two, three months? You've been spending mostly at home. Um, OK, well, but prior to us deciding to do the Korea project, I had just gotten into BTS and um, I'm going to say it was a very good decision. So when I'm not feeling feeling well, I'll just like go watch something BTS is doing and they'll generally I don't know what do. BTS is. What is BTS? Oh, the biggest band in the world. <laughs> the South Korean pop band that not only oh, is, I, I mean, know. they are, uh, yeah, they are the biggest band in the world. On Sunday, there was the um, YouTube graduation and they were billed next. It's basically, it was President Obama, Michelle Obama, Beyonce and BTS, um, wow. which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool to hear Korean spoken in a space like that. But we went to the concert last May and I've never ever, I mean, I've been to a lot of concerts. It was one of the most joyful experiences I've ever had. And I was immediately like, this is so special. They're so special. So yeah, I'm a 30, four-year-old fangirl happily and, and so you're um, listening to them every day and that's what's keeping you in a mental well they space. put out they put out an obscene amount of content so just today they released like a 35 minute video of all the members doing karaoke wow. and it was hilarious so basically they just make like really happy content 
most of the time. So generally speaking, if I'm having a bad day, have no fear. There's like seven years worth of BTS stuff to watch. Yeah, have no fear. BTS (laughs) is here. And speaking of um, Black Lives Matter, and it's something to be really, really cool and speak to their impact, they donated a million dollars, which they weren't going to publicize, but through Variety uh, found out, and they released that information on Saturday. And their fandom, which is the BTS Army, pledged to match that donation to 12 different organizations within a day, and they did. So on Saturday, BTS had made a donation, and by Sunday night, the BTS Army had raised a million dollars. So I'm a a proud fangirl. (laughs) Awesome, awesome, so great. Okay, you ready for our lightning round? Sure. All right, here we go. Number one, Crystal, rename the coronavirus. Okay, I don't want to, because it's a really, really great mouth. Like it's as a word, it's so, there's a reason we're not saying COVID-19, you know, coronavirus, it's so nice to say. It's true. It's, it does kind of roll. Good, yeah, it's true. Not good for Corona beer marketing, but coronavirus. There we go. Um, best advice you've ever gotten? My mentor who just passed away in March, um, the dean of my, of my school at North Carolina School of the Arts, uh, Gerald Friedman, once told me to shut up and take the compliment and stop getting in my own way. So mm, take both, that in. Shut up, take those. the compliment and stop getting in your own way. Yes. Yeah. Are you an early bird or a night owl? This is messing me up. I'm somehow both. I sleep next to a window and the birds wake me up at 5 a.m., but I've been staying up way too late, so I need to get back on my schedule. All right, naps in the afternoon then for you. Um, What's your favorite word? Maker. Love it. Favorite Broadway show? Oh, wow. Oh, that's very hard. Um, First one or two that pop into your mind. I was going to say A Strange Loop, <laughs> which wasn't on Broadway yet, but should be. Off-Broadway. Okay. Yes. It was off-Broadway. I just it. won the Pulitzer. So let's, oh. let's hope it's on Broadway when we come back. Love that. Favorite film? Um, uh, My Neighbor Totoro. What is that? That's uh, Hayao Miyazaki's 1986 film from Studio Ghibli. It's to me, is a perfect film. 86 minutes cannot go wrong with My Neighbor Totoro. Spoken like a true filmmaker and producer, director. Um, what is your favorite hair color? Oh, I think this isn't a year now. This has been a year. So I've had every, you guys, well, because of you. when you I first met see, you, it was pink. It was pink. Yeah, when I first yes, night, right? it was, it was, it was, it was much lighter. I was in the process. You can all see my actual hair color because we are in coronavirus. So I do not have access to uh, my the hairdresser. gorgeous on you though. Thank it's you. Gorgeous. I will say I redid it today just for you. Oh, it suits you. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. So soon, soon I'll be able to see my hairdresser and we'll take care of all this. <laughs> and uh, I'll be pure yes. blue like I like to be. It reminds hair- me of home, right? It reminds me of home. This is the, the issue hair- for me. The hair situations are definitely part of the crisis. Yes, after that. Okay. Um, name a career or, jo- or job that you've always wanted to try. Oh, I was thinking about that earlier. I, w- I really wish I could have been a Girl Scout camp instructor. Girl Scout camp instructor. That would yeah. be really fun. I've had a good time at Girl Scout camp. I think that I Girl Scouts is a really important institution. So, like, it would have been cool to be a Girl Scout camp instructor. Yeah, sisterhood. Okay, most uh, sort of one of the hottest topics in the time of Corona is toilet paper. Crystal, do you pull over or under? Over. Yeah. Over. Do you change it if you find it else uh, another way somewhere else? No, no, no. I worked in service industry for too long to do things like that. <laughs> okay last question 2020 or 2021 um 
everything I thought I was going to do in 2020 is likely to happen in 2021. However, we probably didn't know we needed everything happening now as much as we do. So 2020. Yeah, big, big, big awakenings on all sorts of levels for a lot of us right now, no doubt. Thank you so much yeah. for taking this time to be with me today. Everyone check out Adventure We Can. Go to Lady Bird Crystal. Learn more about Crystal and her productions. Stay tuned for the Korea Project mm -hmm. and when we get to support that also. And, um, and thank you for all the work you're doing for the arts uh, and, and for our world. So sending you lots of love and continued strength and safety and good health during the time of Corona. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.